if you played sports, worked in sports, participated in sports, you understand the significance of, at least I hope you do, you understand the significance of needing of needing a teammate. This is The Playbook, where I give you access each week to the world's greatest athletes and executives about their personal and professional playbook and what has made them champions on and off the field. This is The Playbook. I am so excited because I have a champion of journalists. That's right, Carrie Champion here on the playbook. Everybody knows broadcast journalist, TV personality. And now she's competing with all the trillions of people in the podcast world with the Naked Podcast with Carrie Champion. Welcome to the playbook, Carrie. Oh, thank you for having me. Great intro. I receive all the greatness. And yes, you're right. I'm competing with trillions of podcasts. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I, I, I was forced into this gig like four years ago. And now it's like everyone, it, it's turned into a, a real thing. I mean, yeah. one of your good friends, Sage Steele, uh, it's just amazing. She'll actually call me about different things in the media. And I was like, how did this happen? My hero of ESPN is now interested in my podcast. This is beautiful. Anyway, I love it. what motivated you? I know you, you left ESPN um, and just to your authentic self, wanting to be yourself. And I know Disney and ESPN very well, uh, as I've <laughs> represented many announcers, uh, myself at least Steinberg. Uh, what motivated you to branch out you have so many different shows which we'll go through but branch out to utilize other forms of media i think that that's the trend and and i wasn't even necessarily doing it because it was the trend i think that for me i always have been only interested in telling really great stories i, I was a one-man band in west virginia uh when i first started and i fell in love with telling stories people and helping people and connecting and meeting um, I was born to do this. And then after a while, when you get comfortable and you make it to a certain level and you enjoy a certain level of success, every so often you have to just pinch yourself and say, am I still doing what I fell in love with? And, and for me, I did, I, I had, it was a departure, uh, my choice, but it was a departure. And I said, I want to go back to what I love the most, meeting people, telling stories, being my authentic self, laughing as loud as I want to on air or off air, um, asking uncomfortable questions, uh, challenging the system, being a watchdog of society, anything that you can think of that we as journalists consider ourselves to do or, or employ ourselves to do, that is what I wanted to do. And I, I fell away from that mission for a short period of time. And now I'm back full throttle and I'm excited. Well, you do such a great job of it. The other thing that I've noticed through the content that you have now, uh, whether it's Carrie and Jamel or the NFL, even Next Live, and now the arena on TNT, is you oh really get really good at telling stories for a purpose, though, and finding these stories to teach lessons. And I find that I sit there and I'm learning, not just entertained by the stories that are being told, but you're really good at extracting the lessons and the emotional aspect so that we can have a greater impact. You know, have you developed that over the years or is that something just naturally, you, you said you were born to do this, that, you know, even at UCLA, you're just geared to figure out these lessons in life. Yeah, I, you know what? I don't necessarily know that that, and I'm th thank you for pointing that out. I didn't know that that is what I would do. I think the more comfortable I became in front of the camera, the more comfortable I became with who I uh, am as a journalist, I realized there were all of these lessons that I've learned along the way, and I love learning from other people. Um, 
I, whenever I'm talking to someone, yourself included, I'm thinking, wow, that's what an amazing story. Um, I wonder how that person felt or what that person went through. The basic who, what, when, where, and how of, uh, of telling a story. And out of that, I always seem to really relate to the lesson. Um, because I never want to stop learning. I never want to think I figured it out. And I always, I am fascinated by everyone's journey um, because it always is something that I believe if you pay attention to, you can learn from it as well. One of the parallels that we've had in our careers is that we both have held dream jobs. You know, I had mm -hmm. run the most notable sports agency in the world that they made, yeah. I think, one of your favorite movies about, uh, yeah. Jerry Maguire. But yeah. One of the most difficult things about having a job that people perceive as a dream job is yeah. that it's still number one, a job, but two, a lot of times it's not even the best job you've had. Um, <laughs> and I see that so many times from people, you know, who sure. dream of being a journalist and they get the biggest stage, the anchor at ESPN is a sports journalist is probably the biggest mm -hmm. stage of all. And it doesn't live up to what we dreamed. Did you have any of those voids or shortages when you know you reached the pinnacle or you attached your emotions to an outcome? Did you feel let down or or even frustrated when people were like, "Oh my God, I want to be just like you. I want, you know, I want to be Jerry Maguire." <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting because I think anybody, not even in the, our business, but anyone who has this amazing job, I, I, I just, you know, I've been doing a series of interviews from our podcast, and I get to talk to some of the best at it. And like, I interviewed a model, and I thought, gosh. It must be amazing to be wanted and sought after and the most gorgeous woman in the world and in a cover of SI and the list goes on. And she was like, listen, I get more no's than I get yeses. She was like, it's a daily grind. I was, she was like, I, I get so let down when people say no. And I feel so much more rejection than I do acceptance. So she goes, anything that's a dream job requires a certain level of, of intestinal fortitude because getting there wasn't easy and staying there is that much more difficult. And I feel like, yes, people are like, I love what you do. I love what you do. And there was, don't get me wrong. Like when I worked all of, when you look back on it, it's just a beautiful thing. First take, um, sports center, all of those places were absolutely amazing for me and my platform and what ultimately I have been put on this planet to do. But while you're in it, it's so hard to sometimes enjoy it the way people enjoy it. Like don't, I enjoyed going to Super Bowls and you know, NBA finals and a, a big events that were historic events. Like I will never not enjoy that. Like that's, that is like I, literally icing on the cake, but it's work. No one is there because they don't work in front of the camera and behind the scenes. It's work to be in that environment. It's work to be a woman in sports. It's work to um, always be on top of everything that is happening in the world of sports. So oftentimes when you're in a situation that requires so much, it's rare that people can really say, I enjoy it. You know what I saw the other day? And I'll share this with you. A friend of mine, Steve Smith, you know him. He posted this on Instagram. He goes, it's so interesting. People are working to be seen and I'm working to, and I'm working not to be seen. Meaning, and it was a picture of someone just sitting on a, a lavish island that they owned and relaxing. And they're like, he was like, that's what I'm working towards. He was like, I don't need to be on every platform to be seen. If I could work to the point where I don't ever have to work again and to relax and let my money work for me, I made it. Everyone has their own, own destination and the destination changes. Like the dream job will change. The journey is the beautiful thing. And I, and I cannot 
tell you, I've learned so much from my journey. I'm so grateful. I'm truly, truly grateful for the good and the bad of it because it's made me better. Yeah, what, in my career, one of my favorite perspective building things, I was at the Rose Bowl with Ohio State in Washington and my business partner is Warren Moon. So he was probably the most popular Husky yeah. at the entire Rose Bowl being an MVP, et cetera. And so, you know, even though I'm 5'7", I'm usually, you know, the little guy that kind of gets in the way when everybody wants the autograph and he wants, you know, a little bit of time to watch the game or personal right. time. I step out and I get in front of this person and the guy said, oh my gosh, Dave Meltzer, can I take your picture? And it was, <laughs> it was so good because Warren's behind me and he looked frustrated. I said, hey, give me one person in here that loves me, Warren. He said, no, I'm just jealous. He said, you're perfectly famous. He goes, if I could go somewhere where one person, only one person asked me for my autograph, only one person loved me and took my picture, it'd be a perfect world. It's perfectly famous, Dave, don't lose that. And uh, you know, and meanwhile, in my perspective, I'm like, oh wow, I wish I was as famous as Warren Moon, you know, as I started this podcast. Uh, It's really interesting how we shift. Now, one of the other things just as an entrepreneur, um, a key question that people have is, how do you do so much? And not only, you know, do you have a productive, accessible and gracious lifestyle, but, you know, coming from the sports world myself, that's an extraordinary amount of uh, research and time because you are in every space. You really need to know your stuff. I know I got caught early on on an interview on ESPN. Uh, someone slid in and they had a, you know, a really rough tag or whatever. And I said, oh, well, at least the guy's okay. And he goes, Dave, uh, he's out for the season. You know, he blew out his knee. <laughs> That's why I learned to tell the truth and say, I don't know. Um, but yeah. how do you stay on top of so many different projects, so many different details, yeah. so many different sports, and even people? How do you stay on top of all of that? How do you create that efficiency in your life? By the way, that happens to everybody. So <laughs> do it, have it, don't worry. I've seen the greats do it because you just have so much going on as we were discussing. I think for me, I have to be incredibly focused when I have to be focused. I was thinking about, I think about that often when I'm prepping. So this morning I was doing a few hours of interviews and I and you know, I wake up, do my routine, I work out and I sit down and I'm drinking my coffee and I'm going through the research. Like I'm really big on research. That's the one thing that I, I, ha- I must have. Um, and I think some people will go on the internet and wiki and leave it at that, but that, that's not enough because you'll get caught up. Um, and so I like to do all of my due diligence, whether I go and look at a person's Instagram or their Twitter, depending on the circumstances. Um, but I really try to go in having the foundation of understanding the foundation of who I'm interviewing. And by foundation for me, that means um, what have they been up to lately? What are we focusing on? Um, are we, you know, I'm doing a, a project for, you know, Spotify. What is the goal of this project? What do you really want us to focus on? And if I can narrow in on the through line, the, the, the story, the objective, then I can really just hone in on what I need to know. I may not know everything, but I do know a lot about everything, a little about everything. And so if I know a little about everything, I go in there and I feel very comfortable. But if I know what my, my main objective is, which I always do, I, I'm, the, I'm, I'm the most relaxed because I'm so prepared. It's the worst thing, and you know this better than anybody, to be on TV and be unprepared. You can feel it. It makes you <laughs> makes your stomach hurt. It's the worst, and I've been there way too many times. And so I always say, Carrie, your best performance is when you are overly prepared. Now, live television is a different thing. Like when I do the arena, you know, uh, 
anything can happen, especially with Zooming and the technology problems that we have because we're trying to talk to everybody from home or someone can't hear you. Then that's the art of being a broadcaster, of just cleaning that on up and moving on to the next topic. Okay, we'll get back to that person if we can. Okay. All right, coming up next. And if your producer is quick too, you know, and that's always sometimes touch and go. If the producer's quick enough, they're already thinking next topic, next topic, next, next subject, go to commercial break. You know, otherwise, you then, I know what I try to do if my producer hasn't responded to me and we have, you know, all these glitches, I just start talking about whatever we were supposed to talk about with my guest or with myself. I'll say, you know, we were going to have, we were going to have Mr. Nelson on to talk about what it was like running one of the biggest agencies in the world. I can only imagine. Then you just start tap dancing to your producer, <laughs> get, you know, till he gets it together or where it tells you where to go. Go to commercial break, you know, or something like that. So I think the ultimate, the ultimate gift is pre preparation. I, I can't speak on that enough. I agree with everything in every profession. The more that you practice, my kids will ask me as they speak on big stages, like, dad, don't you get nervous? I said, why don't you come on stage and clap once? Would you be nervous? And they say, no. I said, why? Because I'm confident, right? I could easily clap, dad. I said, well, that's the level that I want to be confident when I do, you know, a corporate speech for an annual meeting somewhere that I want to, it has to be as easy as clapping. And the other thing, I need a clock. The time that I panic when I'm doing a speech is if there's no clock, I'm dead. The other thing you do really well is called illumination and it's part of vulnerability, which is what I love about Naked, your podcast, is that you have a keen sense of allowing people to feel comfortable being vulnerable. And I believe mm -hmm. invulnerability comes from being vulnerable and it's taken a mm -hmm. lot longer for me to figure it out than you in my life that once I started telling people the truth about myself, how I lost a hundred million dollars, how I, who would have ever thought the one thing I was most afraid of is why people like me the most is I'm comfortable telling people I went bankrupt and they learn, yeah. they want to learn those lessons. You have a keen sense of that vulnerability. Number, I'm going to turn the table a little bit. What are you most vulnerable about yourself? I'm most vulnerable about not being as honest and open as I want to be. I have spent most of my life as a trained broadcast professional working for someone who has always said you should present a certain way. You should talk a certain way. You should look a certain way. Um, and as a result, there was always this other carry. And I didn't know how much to share the other carry or when the other carry started to see through, I'd be like, wait, am I in trouble? I remember my friends would always say, I don't, who is that woman anchoring sports center? I mean, I see a little of it, but I don't really see you um, because your friends know you in a way in which only they know you. And, and I wasn't always comfortable feeling like I should present that. I think that's a huge problem for anyone who is in front of the camera. I think I hear I hear entertainers and celebrities talk about it all the time. Beyonce's like, I, well, I don't know what to share. I use her as my perfect example because she doesn't share. And then you, she's so conditioned to not sharing that now there's this void. Now you still connect with her because you respect her hard work and you, res and you respect what she's been through and how talented she is because you're like, that takes a serious amount of dedication to be that great. Like you love what you do and you were great and you want to be great at all times. Like anybody who loves that hustle feeds off that. Like that gives me so much energy. But I'm really working as I did with when I had Be Honest on at ESPN and as I do now with Naked. I'm really just working on uh, telling my story because I know it's more alike than different. Meaning you talk about being bankrupt. Okay, tell me what happened. Like so I can learn. Or we've all been there. 
uh, not necessarily losing a hundred million dollars, <laughs> but we've all been broke, if you will, and we all have felt like. And if you haven't been broke, I feel sorry for you. By the way, if yeah. you haven't been broke, if you I haven't been broke or fired, I feel sorry for you. I yeah, mean, exactly. Those two things really make you a whole person because rising from the ashes gives you an opportunity to start all over again, and you're usually better when you start all over. Like anything, press reset, and it works perfectly. And that vulnerability is like an onion too. I remember when I first started to open up and, and to say things about my childhood and, you know, had Sugar Ray Leonard talk about being abused as a child and, you know, yeah. all, all types of things I never thought I'd be talking about. And I talked to Gary Vaynerchuk, who's an extraordinary podcaster and entrepreneur. And he looked at me and said, oh, just wait. And I was like, what do you mean just wait? He said, there's so much more you're not telling. And, mm. you know, and I'm sure that resonates with you as open as For we sure. want to be that, you know, I, I always just, I'm excited about when will I feel comfortable enough right. to get to the next layer so people can yep. feel comfortable with themselves. Last mm. question real quick. And I wish I had, part of me loves having a short podcast because it makes it easy. Uh, but this yeah. is one of those times it's a bummer because I could talk to you all day. Oh, sports, thank you. <laughs> sports is a common thread that you and I share a, a love of a platform that unites yeah. people, et cetera. What can sports do or has done for you that you haven't seen in all the other areas that you've worked? Is there one special thing about sports or something about sports yeah. that, you know, you think is most powerful? Well, I think if you played sports, worked in sports, participated in sports, you understand the significance of, at least I hope you do. You understand the significance of needing of needing a teammate and trusting, um, because trusting is the most difficult thing. I, I have a hard time trusting, but I have to trust. There are various many people in whatever platform you work on that you have to trust. You can't do it all. You can try to do it all, and it frustrates you, and you end up looking like a jerk most of the time. But there are people you just have to trust. You have to release and trust. Um, and and sports has taught me to trust people in a way in which I just don't feel comfortable doing. Like I have to trust that you're going to do your job to the level of excellence that I think is excellent. And if you don't, I can't get mad because everyone has a different de definition of excellence. Uh, but I have to trust that if I go in and I do the work, that I will receive the reward. And that is so difficult because you still might come up with a loss like you in a game, right? You know, I may not be able to have a triple-double all the time, but the reality is, is that I still have to trust those around me. Not knowing what the outcome will be, that's what it's taught me. And boy, is that difficult. I mean, that is a lesson in itself. As I'm telling you that right now, it is a lesson. <laughs> You're like, what's going on in the control room? I'm speaking TV talk now. I got to trust <laughs> that whoever is producing is really trying to get this situation under control and, and, and land this plane appropriately, meaning in the show or working on different platforms like, you know, on Amazon or on Twitch. All these different platforms are so unfamiliar, but I have to trust that we're putting out the best product possible as the viewer is enjoying what we are all doing or trying to make happen. Partnerships. Like I think of when I say this, I say David Lloyd, my ex-partner at ESPN. I love this man to death. If I did not have, and I literally today, just with even what I was thinking about being on this podcast, sent him a text just to say, buddy, I miss you and I love you and I've always trusted you. And he really taught me how to relax and trust. Trust that he'd do his best. And if and if he didn't do his best, no big deal, we'll try it again tomorrow. And if I didn't do my best, no big deal, we'll try it again tomorrow or next break. And, and that to me is um, a parachute-like feeling that very many people, especially women in sports, just don't get to have. 
to land softly and safely. Well, Carrie, thank you for being a champion. I have three daughters and you're a milestone individual that allows them to see where they can get to and even get past, which I think is so important. And you do uh, emanate to me the ability to, you know, do your best. I can see that all the time for someone that's been around the media, but also (laughs) teach lessons, as I stated earlier. And what I really enjoy is the authentic side that you really seem like you've understood rule number six. Don't take yourself so seriously and have fun. You can't. You can't. <laughs> and you, you're so rule much fun to watch and learn I like from. It. You're amazing. Rule number six. I every platform, every platform you can see Carrie Champion, especially on her podcast, Naked, the Carrie Champion podcast. I can't wait to see and listen to you more on all these different shows. You're an incredible milestone woman. I appreciate you. A true champion, Carrie Champion.